Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Two Weird Hungry Girls podcast. This is Phoebe, your host, here recording at the Kutztown Folk Festival in the Summer Kitchen with Terry. And we're going to be talking about like food, Pennsylvania Dutch food. And I'm kind of excited, and I'm sorry you're not here, Tracy, because I think you probably would have really enjoyed this. I'll get some pictures so you can see and post them on the website um, or the blog that uh, accompanies this this podcast. But Terry, thank you so much for letting me sit in your kitchen and record with you because it's like a busy morning, nine o'clock in the morning on a Friday. Mm-hmm. And um, tell me a little bit about what you do with this kitchen. Well, the, the kitchen itself is sponsored by the Albany Township Historical Society. So technically we're a demonstration reenactment kitchen. We're reenacting or demonstrating what would have taken place in a summer kitchen technically around the turn of the century, but summer kitchens are still in use today in a lot of areas. Really? Yes. Where? Yes. Um, Lancaster County. Oh. Particularly. When um, you called a summer kitchen, like I know what I'm sitting in this space. Like mm-hmm. how, how is a summer kitchen defined or how would you describe it? Well, from the, from the 1600s on, um, oftentimes you had an outdoor kitchen and that was common in the south and the north here. If you drive throughout the countryside here, you see the large farm homes. Mm-hmm. If you look behind them, it looks like there's a little house behind them. Normally, that was the summer kitchen. Is that because of the heat generated by your wood stove, and they didn't want that kind of heat in the They didn't want it in the house, mm-hmm. so they wanted to keep the house as cool as they could through the summer months mm-hmm. to begin with. But also, especially in the later summer months, early fall, when they were harvesting, the harvest meals were cooked in the summer kitchens, so the farmhands were going into the summer kitchen to eat oh. and not traipsing through the house and making things dirtier for the housewives and things mm-hmm. that way. Um, summer kitchens were also used, they, they kind of did double duty depending on where you were. Uh, the larger, what, what, my, what my parents used to call hokuka, which the, the kind of the high cooking or the, the larger cooking projects were done there too, mm-hmm. canning, um, butchering. Oh, okay. Um, in Lancaster County, a lot of them also uh, double as the, the laundry rooms. Mm-hmm. So you, you heated your wash water there for the folks that are off the grid still. So you heat your wash water there. You have a, a washing machine that's run by the gas engine. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, uh, so it's typical that then the space kind of like evolves and changes through the summer season. Like it might have a big table like your summer kitchen has and then the fireplace, but then a table might be removed to whatever, do your laundry. Or you're hosting then the farm workers to come in and eat. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a, like a fluid it, definition It's a, it's of a, a fluid space. space, but the, I think the high point normally is the summer months. Mm-hmm. Okay. How did you even, Terry, how did you even get involved in the summer kitchen? And how are you known? If people were to come to the folk festival, how do people ask for you? Oh, goodness. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm one of several cooks here. Mm-hmm. So Dottie's one of our cooks. Um, Lucy, John. So we, we kind of rotate things. Mm-hmm. I, it, it's a nine-day festival. I took mm-hmm. four days this year. Um, Depending on my own schedule, I, I try and take the week off from work, so I, I make sure wow. I have a couple days uh, available. Um, actually, going going back a couple years, uh, I was I was I've, I've come to the folk festival most of my life, but I, I came here. I was talking with one of the cooks, and he was telling me that they had a problem with the stove. They were having problems with it, only cooking one side of things. They had to keep turning it, and 
and not to be not to be smart with him, but I asked him if he had turned the oven on. Uh huh. And he he didn't know that even even though it's a wood burning stove, there's a way of turning the oven on that makes the oven really yes that kind of like allows the heat into the oven the oven cavity space um well it's it's more convection within the stove oh, okay. itself um when when the stove is just being used to to cook in heat the oven damper is off mm -hmm. and the the gases only go along the top and out the flue mm -hmm. when you want to use the oven uh, you trip the damper and it actually changes the airflow in the stove, so it goes over the top of the oven, down the side, and around the bottom, and out the back. So that way, all four walls of your oven are hot. Mm -hmm. um, now, when when you're not using the oven to bake, but if you just want to do something like low and slow, as they say, mm -hmm. the oven itself, when the stove is running, when there's fire in it, your oven is about 200 to 250 degrees. So it's nice to do roasts, long-term roasts, things like that. Mm -hmm. So aside from um, just having the uh, having the notion to ask, did you turn the stove on or the oven on? How did you know? How do you know all of these things about cooking? I know. Well, I in, in part I had a very good teacher, my mom. Mm -hmm. um, I did not grow up with a wood stove, although mom would say, "Well, now if you're doing this," well, she was teaching me how to cook when I was younger. She'd say, now, if you had a wood stove, you would look for this, or you would do this. Or she taught me how to test the temperature with my elbow. If you hold your elbow in for so many seconds, it's ready to cook bread, or it's ready to cook biscuits, or mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Um, and so it, it, it's something I kind of grew up with. And then about 30 years ago, well, no, I should go back a little bit before that. When I was a teenager, I, I bought one. And my, my dad and I rebuilt wow. it. Uh -huh. Never got to use it, mm -hmm. but we rebuilt the stove. It was a 1920s, uh, beautiful pearl gray enamel cook stove that was made in Quakertown. Mm -hmm. Actually, there used to be a foundry there. Um, but then 30 years ago, I rented a farm out in, in Kempton. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had it set up that I think at one time it probably was the summer kitchen of the house. And so they had a wood stove in there at one point. But I, I had a stove, a cook stove installed there. And uh, it was an Irish stove made by the Waterford Stanley Company. Uh, a nice, nice little cooker. Um, the, for, every, for every stove I've worked on, the, the drafts and, and dampers and things tend to be a little bit different. But mm -hmm. the general idea is the same. It's all convection within the stove. And mm -hmm. So, and the rest of it's been some bit trial and error, but I had yeah. a good basis with what mom taught me. Do you still have the stove now? The uh, one the that Waterford you had in Stanley, the Waterford Stanley, I left the, the okay. people that rented the place after I did bought the stove mm -hmm. for me. But currently, I live in between Tamaqua and Lehighton. Mm -hmm. I have a small farm up there. We have a summer kitchen that I have a wood stove in. It's a new stove. It's made yeah. by the Heartland Company. Mm -hmm. um, Heartland makes two sizes. They make one called the Oval that heats about 3,500 square feet. Mine is the Sweetheart. It's its little sister, so mm -hmm. it heats between 2,000 and 2,500 square wow. feet. So even though it's technically the summer kitchen, for me it's a winter kitchen because I use the stove in the fall, winter, and spring. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm cooking on, baking on one of these things about eight, nine months out of the year depending wow. on the weather. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. I, kn I didn't mm -hmm. know people still did that, but that's, that's yeah. really great. Yeah, I mean, between, between the United States, Canada, Ireland, and a couple places in Europe, there's probably six different companies that are still making wood-burning stoves. 
So there's a market for it. There is. There okay. is. Well, you have. I mean, here here in the states, you have about three hundred thousand old order Amish that would not would not have an electric stove in their home. Mm -hmm. So they're using either wood, kerosene, or gas. Mm -hmm. And primarily, um, they'll use a wood stove, especially in, in the fall and winter, to cook and heat with. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but besides that, I mean, you, you still have some pretty rural places, especially in Canada. Um, but even in the States, there's a there's a decent market for it, outside of the old order community itself. Mm -hmm. So let's quickly talk about, in the summer kitchen, um, in this space where you're using the stove, you have like the old farm table, your cast iron, and all of your pottery bowls. Mm -hmm. um, the summer kitchen is something that um, the vendors of the folk festival will share like a family style meal at, and then folks right. can come and like look and ask questions about the food and how it's prepared and the recipes mm -hmm. in this space. What are some of the recipes that you prepare when you're here? Well, as, as I said, we're a demonstration kitchen. So we demonstrate cooking. Um, mm -hmm. The meals that we make are, are pretty traditional Pennsylvania-German recipes. Um, so folks come by and they ask us questions about what we're cooking, and then at some point we demonstrate eating. Uh -huh. <laughs> so uh -huh. um, so that, that makes it pretty fun for the folks. We're not a restaurant, so we're not licensed in right. that respect. So it's kind of like coming to Grandma's house. Yeah. Um, but the vendors, it, it's a kind of a lottery system that we yeah. use that invite the vendors to come and sit for either a noontime meal or an evening meal. Mm -hmm. And what are some of the... F when people come through and they ask questions about some of the traditional Pennsylvania Dutch dishes, mm -hmm. what do you think are some of the most popular Pennsylvania Dutch dishes that people are familiar with? And what are some that people are may, may, not, may not know are like a Pennsylvania Dutch-style dish? Well, I think one thing, I mean... Dottie is our is our pot pie expert. Is she? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh oh. Absolutely. It doesn't get any better. Than so Dottie's if I find pie. out there's pot pie, I should find the vendor who has a ticket and and like trade and them, them something. Yeah. Oh, club them. <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> or swap them. I mean, you know. Um, but pie, her her pot pie is is ex exceptional. And that's and like it's all homemade, the, okay. homemade noodles and, mm -hmm. and everything. Um, Pennsylvania German pot pie is different than English pot pie. Some people call it slippery pot pie. Yeah, okay. Um, but it is uh, more of a, a very thick, hearty soup than mm -hmm. it is a, a baked pie. Mm -hmm. um, so that's probably one thing that people are very, very familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, probably some of the lesser known things, uh, like pig stomach. Oh, okay. Do you prepare that here? Mm -hmm. We is do that make that like on a stuffed. I know we, it's. A, I don't. It, it's actually a stomach that is stuffed. Mm -hmm. um, now, depending on where you're from, the stuffing may be a little bit different. I, I grew up in Northampton County. Mm -hmm. What I'm used to is shredded cabbage, diced potatoes, smoked sausage, onions, um, boneless pork. Okay. All that's mixed together. Salt, pepper. Um, Mom threw a little bit of ginger and like a smidge of coriander in it. Ginger and coriander. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then. Uh, you stuff the pig stomach. It's ba basically, it's a steam pot that the, right. the dish is cooked in. Mm -hmm. So the stomach itself gets very brown and crispy like a sausage casing. Mm -hmm. um, some people kind of wrinkle up their nose when they find out that it's pig stomach. But, <laughs> I mean, if you eat sausage, you're eating pig intestines. So it's yeah. the same, you know, concept, kind, yes. of, kind of concept. Yeah. Um, if, if it's made right, you can actually slice it. Mm -hmm. So you get a nice slice uh, with just the piece of stomach around it to, to hold it together. Mm -hmm. um, uh, something called schnitz and nep, maybe no, something I've that's a little more familiar, that. too. Mm -hmm. That's a, a thick soup 
that's made with ham, uh, potatoes, onions, uh, dumplings, and dumplings. Dried, dried apples. Like a biscuit dumpling? Mm-hmm. Drop, mm-hmm. Uh, like a drop biscuit? Like a drop top. biscuit. Okay. Or, I mean, depending, you go back far enough, they were they were leavened with yeast before oh, okay. baking soda came about, mm-hmm. or baking powder even. Um, so you'd use a, a drop a drop dumpling like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a that's more of a winter fall winter dish, but the dried apples are thing. Um, mm-hmm. Now we call it schnitzel nepp. I've seen recipes for something called Silesian heaven in German cookbooks. That it, it sounds very familiar. They're very mm-hmm. very similar to to schnitzel nepp. Okay, well that's schnitz interesting. means a, a a quarter of a dried apple. That's what schnitz means. And you when you mean when you say technically schnitz schnitz schnitzel means to cut. Oh okay. Like Scherenschnitte is a way of cutting yes. paper in a, a mm-hmm. uh, pattern, but uh, apple schnitz or schnitz is uh, an apple that's been peeled, cored, cut in quarters, and then dried, dehydrated. I never knew that. So that term is almost like the, uh, almost like a verb, in, instead of like a noun to describe what apple schnitz is. Mm-hmm. It's just cut apple. Mm-hmm. I never knew that. Okay, well, there's a an aha well, it, moment. It, it, it's almost like rivels too. Yeah, rivels, mm-hmm. rivel soup. Um, it, it's a homemade pasta that's a little bit smaller than orzo, mm-hmm. but some rivla is to take your fingers and go like this. That's what that means. Yeah. So what you're doing is like you're kind of taking if you take all of your fingers and and touch working, them to your thumb working and you're the dough. Yeah. Right. So you you work the dough to um, almost kind of like break it up, right? Make make a crumb out of it and yeah. drop it into the soup. Yeah. And that's the same thing the, what's the word one more time rivel R- rivel's the word but did you say it, it, you, you're riveling is that what you say would you some, say some, I'm going to rivel this pasta well you can you can say that <laughs> uh-huh. um, I have a recipe from my mom that's still in dialect but it, it starts out with um, rivel sonoma which means like like crumb together yeah oh okay um, so it's like butter and flour. It's a cake recipe. Okay, I have so many questions now. Um, because we haven't even gotten to sweet yet. But is your mom, what, what are your mom's roots then? That you still have her cookbooks that are written, are what they written in? I have I have a couple recipes that are still written in dialect. Uh-huh. Uh, most of her stuff was in English. But, mm-hmm. And I don't know if she got them from members of our church or. Oh, okay. Um, Mom's mom's background, um, her side of the family came from Baden, mm-hmm. Germany in the 1820s. My dad's side of the family, uh, they came over in the 1750s. They were from Alsace-Lorraine, German-speaking, but we kind of have a German-French last name. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cooking, I, I think, I mean, pie is a very important thing in Pennsylvania German culture, and I, I think sometimes it replaced, because strudel is very important in Germany. Mm-hmm. I think... That kind of became the American, or the Pennsylvania German strudel in some respects. Although mom would make strudel too, mm-hmm. but pie seemed to have more of a, a place in Pennsylvania German homes. Than, mm-hmm. And again, I'm not sure if that's because of Als- Alsatian roots with tarts and things in France, or if that's more. I'm not sure. Yeah. Did what? What did your mom have? Like a favorite? Was she like a savory eater or a sweets eater? I would I would say it was a combination. Oh, I mean, okay. Like, you know, Typical, typical of Pennsylvania German families. I mean, we had we had pie for almost everything. Mm-hmm. So there was breakfast pie that would have been shoe fly pie, funny cake, um, rivel cake, kind of a crumb cake with with buttermilk. Um, for supper, she did make supper pies like mm-hmm. meat pies. Um, there's a dish called Moravian chicken pie, 
What? Moravian. I've heard of Moravian sugar cake, but never a Moravian chicken pie. Moravian chicken okay. pie. The difference between Moravian chicken pie and, and what we, or what English people know as pot pie, the Moravians didn't put any vegetables in it. Oh, okay. It's just chicken meat, um, a little bit of onion, a very a very thick, hearty gravy that binds it all together, two crusts, and it's baked. Mm -hmm. um, that's something that comes out of our communal communal period. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, as I understand it, it was something that was served sometimes at, at weddings and, and things when we were mm -hmm. a, a communal people, communal society. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's some, I mean, I, I think some from religious backgrounds, some of our, our recipes are a little bit different, mm -hmm. that being one of them. But I, I also grew up with pea and potato soup. Uh-huh. Pea and potato, like just um, hold peas and potatoes. Whole peas, potatoes, onions, um, butter, milk. Oh, that sounds good. When I got to French class in high school, I mm -hmm. learned that it was vichyssoise. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I grew up eating this stuff right. and never knew the, you know, never really knew what it was mm -hmm. called kind mm -hmm. of thing. Um, so you learned your love of cooking, do you think, from your mom? Oh, I think so. Yeah. I think so. I mean, we were we were a rural. We weren't technically farmers, but we were a rural family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we did butcher. We did can. We had a huge garden. Mm -hmm. um, uh, dehydrated, made dried beans, dried corn, dried apples. Mm -hmm. uh, made our own apple butter. Mm -hmm. uh, made our own scrapple. All kinds of stuff. On your farm now, is it like open for tours, or is this just farming that you do for you? And it's your family more, and your friends. More subsistence. Oh, okay. More subsistence farming. Oh, okay. um, I mean, I have I have a flock of poultry. I have a quarter acre garden and a small mm -hmm. orchard and things. So it's. But when I have excess, I mean, I have a lot of a lot of folks that buy eggs from me yeah. at work. That mm -hmm. kind of thing. So to you, so for you then, eating in season and eating real foods is like you don't. You're not going out and buying boxed or prepared dishes. Do you ever cheat on not, anything? You're never normally. doing that. Uh -huh. <laughs> not normally. You can't no, imagine. No, I'm pretty much of a scratch cook. Yeah. Yeah. And are you a sweet or a savory eater? Um, like, what's your weakness in the kitchen? Oh. Carbohydrate. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have yet to meet a carbohydrate that I didn't like. So, uh -huh. so noodles, dumplings, yeah. bread, I mean, anything like that. Is, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fair game. <laughs> uh-huh. Now, someone said the vendor next to me had mentioned that you made a lemon chiffon cake. A lemon sponge pie. A lemon sponge. A lemon sponge pie. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Is that like a traditional Pennsylvania Dutch dish? That's very traditional. Is it? Yeah. A lemon sponge, is that lemon like... Lemon sponge pie. Mm-hmm. Is it foamy? Well, because it, it's a pie? It, it has or? it has almost like a very light cake layer on the top. Uh-huh. But below that is a almost a pudding custardy layer. Okay. And then the pie shell. Kind of like a shoe-fi pie separates, or no? Mm. Is it almost like meringue on the top? No, it's no? More, of a, more of a very fine, um, almost a, a fine, like a... Like a mousse? Uh, I'm thinking more of uh, angel food. Oh, oh, okay. Like a very fine... I, I wouldn't say it has quite the same texture as angel food, but uh -huh. I, would, I would describe it more okay. as a very light... Is it the eggs? Uh, it's the eggs and flour. That do that? Yeah. yeah. Give it that texture? Yeah. Okay. yeah. I mean, you make... You separate your eggs, and so mm -hmm. you make you make a certain part of it out of the yolks and lemon juice and butter and flour mm -hmm. and things, and then milk... Um, 
and then the rest of you, you beat the egg whites and combine fold the egg whites into that mixture mm -hmm. so it really lightens it up but then when you bake it that light part comes to the top and forms this kind of cakey layer. and you're doing it all and i'm going to get a picture of that oven yeah and you're doing it all in this oven yes yes like sometimes when you think of baking and it being so precise you think that sometimes even your own electric oven at home um, has it out for you because it, you know what I mean? Like one shelf burns it, one corner wants to burn it, the other corner wants to leave it unbaked, and then you're making these little miracles out of this oven. Well, these, um, like I said, every every stove I've worked on yeah. is, is a little bit different. They all have their quirks. They can mm -hmm. all can be cantankerous. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it's kind of one of those things that you... I mean, when, when we get this thing going, I can keep temperature at 350, 400 for a couple wow. hours, okay. depending. It, it's a matter of setting setting the dampers and mm -hmm. you know, kind of having a feel for things. You know what you're doing. So. It's, it's okay. You can say you're an expert on this. He's dropping wood into the oven right now. John, I have to get a picture he's, of that. because Just to see. No, I don't care. He's, he's firing up the stove. <laughs> yes. Is that what he's doing? He's yes. firing it up now? Mm -hmm. So he's putting kindling in the side. Well, that, I mean, that's actually wood that we're going to burn. I mean, if, okay. you, if you notice, our oven's about 300 now. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And then at, at some point, we'll, we'll, we'll flip the, the damper that will kick it up even higher. Oh, oh okay. So this, uh, this is all fascinating to me. I think... Good morning, everybody. Morning, Dave. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I feel like we should talk again about, like, you? more recipes. But how can listeners find... Like, do you have a resource or, like, books or a website that people... That you might refer people to for some very traditional recipes if people want to try them at home? Like, I, well, all of those thing, dishes you mentioned. One thing I can tell you, I mean, we, we have a, a wonderful cookbook. Here. Oh, Okay. Oh, I've seen this here before. The, the majority of recipes that we, that we make here uh, are in this cookbook. Are in this book. Okay. Uh -huh. The lemon sponge. There is a lemon sponge pie recipe. Yeah. Here. Are any of your recipes in this book? No. Okay. So this book is called Folk Art and Food Ways of the Pennsylvania Dutch. Oh, it has an ISBN number, so you could find it. Mm -hmm. Maybe even on, on Amazon? Amazon. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. Uh, this is put out by the Historical Society. Mm -hmm. um, the, the lady who put this together, Mrs. Lutz, she was a self-taught artist. She was kind of she's kind of a Pennsylvania German Grandma Moses. Yes, her style is very much like that. Uh huh. Uh, but she she cataloged her her memories of growing up on the farm years ago mm -hmm. um, through art, and she also wrote quite a bit. So there's a lot of stories in here by her about the different seasons. The book itself kind of goes along seasonal lines. Mm -hmm. or, uh, you said none of yours are in here, but I see Jane's no, I, potato I, salad and Gary's I, I came bread. on the scene after the book was oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, the, okay, so this is how people can take home recipes. This is this is one way. Um, mm -hmm. There there are a couple websites. On, on Facebook, there's uh, Grammy's Kitchen or Grammy's Table. Grammy's Table, mm -hmm. Pennsylvania German Foods. Um... There's there's several. If, if you just punch in Pennsylvania German on Facebook, mm -hmm. you'd be surprised at what comes up. But there's okay. quite a few uh, Pennsylvania German life and culture, Pennsylvania language. There's a bunch of different okay. things. I'm going to Google these things myself too, sure. and do it more reading. And I think I'll have to get one of these cookbooks before we leave. Um, the sugar cookies that we have, the mm -hmm. recipes in there. It's Mrs. O'Boy's uh, sugar cookie recipe. Yeah. They're just absolutely great. And you always have samples of them up on mm -hmm. the front plate, right? Mm -hmm. Until they're gone. Until they're gone. <laughs> or until they're all. Okay, wonderful. Until they're what? All. Oh, is that like that? Is that how you would say Dutch? Dutch mm -hmm. Until they're all? Yeah. 
I'll have to remember that. Okay. Since he fought, it's in. Till till they're all. Till they're all. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay, how would you say, like, Good Eats or Cheers or Manja in, like, Pennsylvania Dutch? Um, well, to say to say cheers, especially around food, it's it's gemütlichkeit. One more time. Gemütlichkeit. Mm-hmm. Gemütlichkeit. Um, if say if you're in a restaurant and you clink glasses together, yes. gemütlichkeit. It 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 connotes um, hominess, coziness around the around the table, food, mm-hmm. family love, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's hard to translate it correctly into English, but that's the the concept of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Gemut. Gemut? Lich. Lich. Kite. Kite. Gemutlich kite. Okay. Um, like to say, I, I, like, I, I wish you good eats. Ich wünsche dir gute Fresse. Okay. Fressen is to, to eat. Although in, in High German, Essen is the word to eat. Mm-hmm. Pennsylvania German is Fressen. Fressen really means as, as the cattle eat. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so, well, if you've ever seen farmers eat after coming in from the uh-huh. field. You know. Oh, well, there you go. Yes. <laughs> you know, they're a hungry lot. Uh-huh. So. Okay, that's great. I feel like we should end it there, but I, I want to say thank you so much for letting sure. me um, come and sit in the kitchen. Yeah. Sure. And learn a few things. Um, thank you so much for the tips on where you can find some of these wonderful recipes and the stories that go along with them. And when you're at the Kutztown Folk Festival, you should stop by the Summer Kitchen to talk with and connect with the food volunteers. The food volunteers. Yeah. yeah. And meet the stove. It's the same stove that's here from year to year, right? Yes. For the most yes. part. I that, remember that color. That is a, a, like 1930s, 1940s Kalamazoo. Uh-huh. Main Kalamazoo, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, the Kalamazoo and home comfort stoves were the kind of Cadillacs of, of so the Woodburn Stove uh-huh. era. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's it's really beautiful. I like the color. Um, and the cream and green, that mm-hmm. was a very common thing. Art Deco has very Art Deco lines to it, if you look at it. Very mm-hmm. sleek, streamlined. Um, this has a warming uh, a water boiler on the side. Mm-hmm. So if we wanted to, we could make hot water on the side of it. And it also has the warming closet on the top. 19th century microwave. No. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I should have brought my mac and cheese leftovers. You There's can, no microwaves in this place. You can, you can put things in oh. to, to either keep them uh-huh. warm or warm them up. Like at home when I'm making breakfast, like pancakes and things, I put the plate of pancakes that I've already taken off the griddle in the warming right closet as I'm making more. And then that way everything gets served at once. Piping when are you hot. going to open a bed and breakfast? <laughs> I do have an Airbnb. You should have an Airbnb. I'm going to find it. When I'm going to keep Googling it until I see it on there. Terry's Airbnb. <laughs> I would Thank totally you. come. Thank that you. would be wonderful. Thank um, you. You're like our very own, um, do you know who Sweet Paul is? He has the magazine. Mm. He does all kinds of creative things. He's very inspiring. You're like our own Pennsylvania Sweet Paul. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> to find him, I'll show you who he is. But thank, thank you, you so much for letting me visit your kitchen. Sure, sure. And um, definitely come to the Folk Festival. Find the volunteers. If Terry's here, you should say hello. I think he goes also by Chef Terry. So if you just yell, Chef Terry, he's <laughs> probably by the stove. <laughs> and he'll tell you all about it, the stove. So thanks again. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. This was a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, guys. And uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. And um, I hope you go and find some Pennsylvania Dutch uh, food inspiration online or um, by ordering this book put out by um, the Historical Society of Albany Township. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, you can find me at phoebespurefood.com. 
And uh, of course, on Twitter, Instagram, and all of those great places. Thanks so much. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>